Welcome to episode 9, Chronicles of UK Salafism, an insider perspective. This particular episode shall focus on the year 1998 and what transpired throughout. And recapping on the previous episode, I refer to my return from Jeddah to the UK in order to deal with the flailing uh, purchase and negotiation for Brixton Mosque. After receiving demands from the community, from the sponsors who provided the funds to purchase the mosque and adjoining land, as well as the local council's property agents, Nelson Bakewell, I felt compelled to return to reinstitute the, the, the purchase of the premises. At the same time, I was given the opportunity to start my own business, and I therefore opted for a not-for-profit organisation that dealt with Islamic information and associated services. I started a company called Al Ansar Limited, and that was registered in England and Wales at Companies House, registration number 3503436. I still have the plaque that was affixed on the outside of the building that we purchased in Cold Harbor Lane, a converted bank. Um, And upon modifying or renovating, should I say, the premises, I then recruited a part-time social worker, part-time financial advisor, an admin coordinator who was full-time, and Abdurrahim Green to work alongside me as an outreach coordinator and teacher. The work between Abdurrahim and myself intensified via the number of lectures and workshops we delivered around the UK and sometimes abroad. And we also had schools and colleges visit us at our premises for workshops and the exhibitions that were on display. Alongside these activities, we also took the exhibitions to universities around the UK during their Islamic Awareness Weeks. I think it's appropriate to go through the lectures that I delivered throughout 1998 in an attempt to convey uh, a theme or the um, environment within which I was delivering these lectures. I will quickly summarise the number of lectures that Abdurrahim Green gave as well after I finished focusing on some particular lectures and sermons that I delivered. Now, I designed an activity report template to capture data about these events so that we could assess and analyse the results of what we were doing across the UK. And I will start with the 18th of February, in which I delivered a lecture entitled Who Oppresses Women, Islam or the West? Now, the venue for this was Queen Mary and Westerfield University, and the attendance was 90% Muslim. The focus on this occasion was the role and rights of women in Islam. On the same date, I've got my typed notes um, for a lecture in the University of Oxford, Oxford University, Who is This Man? And I basically focused on the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, peace and blessings be upon him, his character and how Islam spread at his hands um, and uh, became one of the fastest and continues to be one of the fastest religions, growing religions in in the world today. On the 25th of that month, I delivered a lecture entitled The Reality of Death at Loughborough University. 
and it was mainly Muslims in attendance on that occasion. And then in the following month, on the 17th of March, I was in the Royal Holloway University and delivered a lecture entitled Why I Became Muslim. The 18th and 19th of that month saw me deliver two lectures at Lee's University, the first one being why I chose Islam again, and the second one being about Islam and the West. In the second lecture, I explored and discussed how Muslims should reside, participate and interact in wider society. On the 25th of March, I was in the University of East London delivering a lecture entitled Racism, Islam, the Most Colourful Religion. And on the 25th of April, the following month, my lecture was about symptoms of weakness of faith and the ways to increase it at the London Guildhall University. Again, predominantly Muslim attendance. Uh, on the 29th of April, I delivered the now popular talk or lecture, Wrapped to Reality, in the University of Sheffield. And the attendance was 80 to 100 uh, participants, 60% Muslim, 40% non-Muslim. The following day, I was in Loughborough University on the 30th of April, delivering a lecture entitled What It Means to be Muslim. And on the 3rd of May, I delivered a lecture to the Tamil community in London, the Islamic, Islamic Dawah Centre, called Imitation of the Non-Muslims. On the 14th of that month, my sermon at Dulwich College was entitled The Traps of Iblis. And on the 15th of May, I was in Newham College, Stratford, delivering a lecture called The Day of Judgment. The 21st of May saw me in Oxford University again, delivering a title entitled um, Rapture Reality. And four days later, I was in Portsmouth Arts Centre and delivering another popular lecture, Why I Became Muslim. Now, there was a gap between the lectures um, between May and September, and the recommencements of my lectures was on the 15th of September, and it was entitled Afghanistan, the Muslim Response, and that was delivered at Dulwich College. Now, there was a 55% Muslim attendance and a 45% non-Muslim turnout, and I focused on the reaction of the US under the tenure of President Bill Clinton to bomb Sudan and Afghanistan as a response to the terrorist attacks in Kenya. And while focusing and condemning the terrorist attacks in um, Kenya uh, um, because of the, the, the nature of the, the, the ter wanton terrorism that is synonymous with violent extremist terrorists, the, the Kharaji methodology and ideology, um, it was necessary to focus on that and unpack how the extremist ideology leads them to these particular actions. However, I also addressed the reaction of President Bill Clinton to attack Sudan and Afghanistan um, without any evidence whatsoever that um, Osama bin Laden was actually behind that. It was just a, a knee-jerk reaction in, what, in which he wanted to assuage the concerns and anger of the, the West, of the Kenyan population, because of these terrorist attacks. One of the individuals, as I mentioned in my previous episode, who was allegedly working alongside 
um, or working for Osama bin Laden and representing his organization in the UK, Khalid Fawaz, I would be representing or working for a firm that represented him in later years. And this Kenyan case was one that was also um, attributed to him. So I therefore got to see the file and see the, the, the extent of the devastation and the carnage that was call, caused by because of the photographs and the evidence that was contained in those files. Moving to the 25th of September now, Roger Bolton Productions visited the mosque and my organisation, Al Ansar, to conduct a do documentary for Channel 5 called The Mission. Um, that focused on our outreach work, uh, the, the composition of the community um, and, and interviewed members, including myself, about our conversion to Islam and, and having that duality as Muslims um, and Brits at the same time. On the 4th of October, I was delivering a lecture in South Street, Reading, entitled, Is Islam a Threat? And the nature of the titles, you can see from the last one um, in the 50, on the 15th of September about Afghanistan and about whether Islam is a threat, because there were palpable concerns about Islam in view of it being raised in the media due to the extent of those devastating Kenyan attacks and the mass casualties that exceeded 200 from what I recall. I discussed in this particular lecture what it meant to be a Muslim in the West and again participation and how Islam and many elements of Islam are compatible and conducive to residing in the West. My next lecture was on the 16th of October um, as an actual sermon in Brixton entitled Diseases of the Heart and then on the 21st of October I had to deliver two lectures in different parts of the country. The first one being in Oxted County School. These were actually, <clears throat> excuse me, these were actually workshops and this one was entitled Religion in Everyday Life and I conducted that workshop with uh, all non-Muslim students on that occasion. I then set off to get to Loughborough University for the evening where I delivered my second lecture entitled Priorities for the Muslim Student. There's an important note I want to make at this point. I've given some numbers and some percentages of the attendances at these events. But one thing that we were very focused upon as we grew um, as Muslims and were proselytizing, giving the dawah, the second stage, youthful foundation stage that I've mentioned from my PhD, I was very much within that particular catchment. But we were only concerned about delivering the message. We were not concerned about the numbers. Unlike today, where social media is very important and it's one of the main avenues that individuals are proselytizing and give, giving dawah, basically, and looking at the number of followers, the number of likes is what has become of tantamount important to many individuals. We would give... Um, our message and travel across the country, even if it was only a handful of individuals attending. And I recall in a particular year, I cannot recall if, which year it was, that I had to travel up to Middlesbrough on an occasion and only one person had attended, I think because of poor advertising or marketing. And when we arrived, the, the host said, we can go. It was at Middlesbrough College or Middlesbrough University. And I said, no, if this one individual had attended, 
He sat in front of me and I delivered the lecture. Now, this is not a means of self-praise or blowing our trumpet, but I want to refer to the generation of individuals that I was working amongst who were so focused on conveying the message, even if one person turned up, because we were aware of that narration regarding the prophets that would come on the Day of Judgment, and some will have a multitude of followers, and some will have one, and some will have none. The issue was delivering the message as had been um, instructed in the Quran. Moving on, on the 20, from the 21st of October, the next lecture was on the 28th of October, and that was in the Mill Community Centre in Bristol, and that was entitled Rap to Reality. On that occasion, I see that Awais at Tawil was the host and arranger of that particular um, lecture. Uh, Unfortunately, Awais is now part of the Salafi Publications cult and is continuing his studies in Medina as of 2019. The next lecture was the following day, the 30th of October, and it was a sermon again on innovation and its evils in Brixton Mosque. And then on the 6th of November, a lecture was delivered in the University of East London on Tawheed monotheism followed by, on the 17th of November, a lecture at Newham College in Stratford, once again, entitled The Quran and Its Miracles. Skipping back one, I see I have a, a date here, the 13th of November, and I delivered a lecture entitled Educating Our Children, and that was at Anor Islamic School. Moving again forward to the 20th of November, I was once again at Dulwich College delivering a sermon entitled the same as what I'd done on the 30th of October, Brixton Mosque, entitled Innovation and Its Evils. The 25th of November saw me visit Leeds University and I delivered the lecture entitled Muslim by Name, Naughty by Nature, to uh, a, a, a crowd of 300 to 350 non-Muslims on this occasion. And I have my notes here from my report um, data that two young men approached me after this lecture and took their shahada, converted to Islam. I got my notes concluding that they were then introduced to Muslims in the community who were aware of them and would assist them um, with their new faith and any um, rudimentary requirements that they had. On the 26th of November, I was in De Montford University, Leicester, delivering a lecture to be or not to be a Muslim, and that was predominantly Muslim attendees. And then on the 11th of December, I was in St. Bartholomew's Hospital, St. Bart's, delivering the sermon entitled Diseases of the Heart. The 16th of December saw me deliver a lecture on Ramadan, the month of blessings in UCL University. And my final lecture for that year was a return to Brixton Mosque and the sermon entitled Christmas or Mass Disbelief. Uh, yes, moving on to Abdurrahim's lectures now. He delivered a total of 27 lectures compared to my, I believe, 31 that particular year. And I will just focus on the numbers that he was gathering due to the popularity of his lectures when he visited Ottawa, Canada on the 23rd of November of that year. On that day, he delivered six lectures. And in the first venue, he had 60, 60 attendees. 
when he attended Waterloo University, 110 attendees were present. Um, the University of Ottawa saw 150 attendees. And then one venue, which I don't have the specific details of except for attendees, was 700 attendees. The final two venues were 150 and 301 respectively. So this shows the ramping up and the intensification of the proselytization, the dawah, if you like, that was being given under the auspices of the organization that I had established. Um, and for us, this was successful. The topics that we were discussing were about engagement, participation, contextualization of the religion and we were successful in this endeavor and overall this was reflective of the dawah that was being given by Salafis, by Salafists, which did not have anything to do with espousing non-violent extremism or violent extremism. When you look at the parallels of what was taking place with the violent extremists, You'll see, as I mentioned in the previous um, episodes, they were galvanized by Osama bin Laden's initial declaration of war against America. And as we will see shortly, there was a second instance in which they were further galvanized. But I will continue with some significant events locally, one of which was my completion of my thesis, my dissertation for my Master's of Business Administration in Education at University of Southbank, and I submitted that mid-year. And the title of that um, Master's was The Significance of State Funding for Muslim Education in Britain. Um, that towards, towards the end of that year, early uh, 1999, I, I, I'm pleased to say that I received my certificate confirming that I had su successfully passed my MBA um, in education. The reason I've brought this um, particular example is because at that time as well, Zacharias Massawi, the now infamous 20th uh, bomber um, of 9-11, was also attending University of Southbank the University of Southbank, and he was in the same faculty, completing a master's degree in business studies, not an MBA like myself. I think he was ahead of me, but we used to see each other occasionally. And on towards the end of my um, course, I remember him meeting me outside as we were leaving university in the evening and requesting my assistant in writing up his thesis, his dissertation, and proofreading it. Suffice it to say that I immediately declined due to the polarization that was taking place with him and his vociferous nature and argumentative approach regarding polit political issues and his understanding or misunderstanding of jihad. Another significant local event that took place occurred on the 27th of March that year, and that was with the finalization and the purchase of Brixton Mosque and Islamic Cultural Centre and the adjoining land, making the premises the first Salafi-owned and Salafi-led mosque, Salafi-managed mosque in the UK. The title deeds for the property were initially SGL12553, and after being transferred to the owners, myself, Suleiman Abdus Sabor, Tamim Osman, Sheikh Mohammed Kamal, the number was revised to TGL145425. A brief note on this. The solicitor who I had appointed and was a colleague of mine, having worked um, for him, um, decided that he would purchase 
the premises in a manner different to other acquisitions of premises, other mosques around the country, because he was aware of and involved in arbitrating and representing parties that were in um, disputes concerning ownership and management of other mosques. And he wanted to try and avoid that, that eventuality with Brixton Mosque. So the mosque was actually purchased under the Land and Property Act, I think 1925, and the four individual names that I've given became the sole proprietors and owners as trustees of the mosque and we remain so to date and the reason I'm mentioning this is because unfortunately as years have transpired and as we're in 2019 the current administration have uh, embarked upon particular moves which the community were unaware of, in which they registered a second charity in exactly the same name as Brixton Mosque and Islamic Cultural Centre. They used exactly the same address and they tried to appropriate the land and property that belongs to the original trust in order to um, uh, obtain uh, ownership of it. And us becoming aware of it um, three of the four owners, because unfortunately one of the owners is with them in this, um, we've decided to uh, take our own action and speak with the Charity Commission to investigate this and investigate their legitimacy in this instance. And sadly, that's ongoing. Moving away from this now to more significant national events that occurred during that year. And the first of those is the 10th of April, uh, Good Friday or Belfast Agreement that was made and ratified by British and Irish governments heralding in the hope and prospects of peace in Northern Ireland. This was seen as a significant achievement for Tony Blair under his prime ministership. On the 23rd of May, the following month, the agreement was accepted in a referendum with 75% of Northern Ireland voting yes However, unfortunately, a few months later, on the 15th of August 1998, the Omar bombing occurred in Northern Ireland in which 29 people were killed and a further 220 injured. This was considered the worst terrorist attack of the Troubles. Moving across now to significant international events that did affect the local communities and Muslim communities, particularly the Salafi ones in view of them being at the forefront of this fight against the violent extremists and their propaganda. On the 8th of January, Ramzi Yusuf, who was known and is known as the nephew of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was accused and has since been incarcerated as the mastermind of the later 9-11 attacks of 2001 on the World Trade Center and around the US, he was imprisoned and sentenced to 240 years in prison for his role in organizing the 1993 attacks on the World Trade Center, the first attacks on the 22nd of February 1993 in which an estimated 50,000 people had to be evacuated due to the, the extent of this bomb. Um, the bomb created a 200 feet by 100 feet hole, causing a train station ceiling to collapse. So he was incarcerated five years after this terrorist attack um, on the World Trade um, Center. And 
On sentencing, he declared, I am a terrorist and proud of it. So his imprisonment was something that was of significance to the violent extremist community. And we see immediately after that, uh, just over a month after, Osama bin Laden published his second edict, his second fatwa declaring jihad against all Jews and crusaders. And before I move on to the next event of significance that affected the, um, the dynamics and the environment in which we as Muslims were living and um, participating in society, uh, Abu Osama al-Zahabi um, subsequently did a re refutation on Sheikh Omar Abdul Rahman, the blind Sheikh who was also implicated as a mastermind behind these attacks and subsequently arrested and imprisoned in the US. I still have that cassette of that refutation. On the 3rd of April, still relating to that particular case of Ramzi, Ramzi Yusuf, his co-defendant Iyad Ismail also received a sentence of 240 years for driving the actual van that was loaded with the homemade bomb. And the final um, national, international event of significance that I'll mention um, here was on the 17th of August. Now, after first denying any sexual impropriety um, in January, President Bill Clinton then admitted and confessed to an improper physical relationship with his intern, Monica Lewinsky. And this was scandalous um, for the world um, because it was something that caught the attention um, uh, of, of the world due to this being a very popular president, charismatic president on this, in this instance. For the Muslim world and for our local community, I would say, and even the national Muslim communities, the bombings of Sudan and Afghanistan were considered a distraction from President Clinton's domestic and public humiliation. And that's why in the lecture that I referred to in Dulwich College, there was also that intimation that this could be state legislated or state sponsored terrorism um, as a result of bombing Sudan without any real or hard evidence and doing the same for Afghanistan. I'll draw to a conclusion by referring once again to my personal learning and instruction. And I have in front of me here 40 pages of handwritten notes from Imam Barbahari Shah of Sunnah as taught by Sheikh Ahmed Awais, continuing from the previous year. And my notes of the 21st of April um, refer to point three, sorry, point 63, which I'd like to quote, quote, to have faith, that with every raindrop, there is an angel who descends with it until he places it where Allah, the mighty and majestic, has ordered. So we were taught around this particular point. Some may feel, uh, maybe non-Muslims uh, or those who are not conversant with the books of Sunnah um, that, um, that we focus on, why is this a necessary um, uh, verse or quote to refer to. This particular book was looking at everything to do with the belief system of the Muslims and also aspects of the Sunnah and how to understand the Sunnah. And this was just another aspect of this great Imam's book that was taught and the associated lessons that could be learned, learned from it. These lessons continues across the year, the 28th of April, 
the 5th of May, we were looking at 0.71. The 12th of May, 0.72. On the 9th of June, we looked at 0.74. And on the 9th of October, which are my last notes for this particular um, subject, we had arrived at lesson 33 and focused on point 0.93. I won't read any more points out because I've referred to point 0.63 already. Again, I will conclude by highlighting the nature of the lectures that I was delivering, the sermons that were being delivered, the discussions that were taking place. And it, it, hopefully it's becoming clear to the listener that the focus of the Salafi proselytization, the Salafi dawah, the adherence to Salafism was antithetical to that which was being propagated by the extremists, their propaganda, their emotional um, cry for violent reaction, for uh, misrepresentation of jihad, their excitement at um, destruction and what emanated from the Kenyan um, bombings of earlier on. This continues to be the focus of the extremists and the misrepresentation of tenets of Islam continues to be something that started with the Khawarij centuries ago, which our Prophet had warned the Muslim uh, world about, and which, which continues today. So the distinction needs to be made very, very clearly. And I believe that the teachings that we were receiving and that we were imparting are indicative of that difference between the correct Islam and the incorrect understanding of Islam.